It is a Tuesday edition. Jack Michaels show coming to you from our palatial studios, our Gunderson Jewelers studios here at 1020 South 25th Street in Fargo. And a gorgeous day today. We got one and three quarters of a Red Hawks game tonight. Maybe not quite two, but one and three quarters of a Red Hawks game tonight. The Twins. Have a short two-gamer against Detroit, game one coming up tonight, and uh, it's all good. I, I just hearing the Lindsey Buckingham song, here, I'm going to throw this at you, which has nothing to do with anything maybe we'll talk about today, but what song reminds you immediately of a movie? What song reminds you immediately of a movie? Because that song, if the movie Vacation didn't come out... Oh, yeah. Right, Derek? Right? You with me on that, Brad? Yeah. I, I think we have to yeah. do Sans Kenny Loggins, because like, that's all he did was make songs Technically, yeah. That's right. Like, <laughs> yeah, forget the song. You're just saying whatever Kenny Loggins yeah. did. I mean, Footloose. Obviously, I think of Footloose. Um, but, you know, yeah. obviously, Danger Zone thinks of Top Gun, and, you know, I'm All Right, you think of Caddyshack. I mean, he's... You, you, Derek has a point. That is right. <laughs> yeah. did, did he do any song that would just... He did. Kind of he, he had a couple a, outside of the movies, but... That we're not on a movie soundtrack, but it's very few. It was Loggins and Messina, right? Right. So he had a couple. Yeah, of, right. You're right. And he he had a pretty good song with uh, Stephen Perry. What was that? Uh, uh, don't fight it. I think. Is yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, don't fight it. That's a pretty yeah. good tune. Yeah, I don't think that was a beat. movie thing, was it? I don't believe so. Don't but you're right. Um, so Sans Kenny Loggins. Okay. Yeah. Take take and maybe that Ray out Parker Jr. His you know that he stole Ghostbusters. from on a new drug. So you're right. That's but, okay. But I think what you're saying saying is a song that maybe wasn't even for the soundtrack. But it just ties you right to that. Right. Because I think for... I've got another one, as you just said that. Uh, Lunatic Fringe, Red Rider. Right. But was that for the soundtrack of of Vision Quest? Quest? I don't know if it was, because if it wasn't, it does remind me of Loud and Swain. Because... I will say one, a very good song, one of the greatest classic rock songs I think ever was Layla, but I think a good fellas, because oh. that's when, you know, Robert De Niro's character started off and everyone that he was in the robbery with, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, that, that's, I think, the category we should go with, is that a song that wasn't made for the movie, but then you think of. But you think of the movie. Right, because I think for, I guess it's more of a TV show than a uh, movie, but- Whenever I think of uh, "Don't Stop uh, Journey," I think of the final Sopranos, right? So, how about uh, what's the movie with Jimmy Fallon and uh, the the Red Sox? Is it Fever oh, Pitch? Fever Pitch. Yeah. What song are we thinking of? Sweet Caroline. Yeah. Oh, and of right. course, that's the Red Sox yeah. tie in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, but when I hear Sweet Caroline. Yeah, I mean it's used there, but I don't directly think of Fever Pitch, even okay. though even though it, there's a tie, I get yeah. where the bread's yeah. going on that. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe it's a terrible question because a lot of these well, songs have been. You're right, have been I, made I, for. I think when I hear Bohemian Rhapsody, I think of Wayne's World now, yeah. and I didn't oh. before 1991. <laughs> and a gremlin and driving down the street. Right, with exactly. Um, I think it was on the soundtrack because the Dazed and Confused. Which is a wonderful movie, especially for people right. of our age group. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the there's the point at the where they have the party at the Moon Tower, 
Mm. And the keg's all dried up, oh. and Tuesday's gone by Le- or by, yeah, uh, by Leonard Skinner comes up. That, and I, I, and every time I hear Tuesday's gone, I think of that yeah. point when they what? It's, it's time to go. That's home. fair. Yeah. Why am I? Um, why? What? What song plays that makes you think of the Sandlot? Um. Well, whenever I hear the uh, the music thing, um, and it's I'm a sk- it's Green Onions. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Booker T and the MG. Because they're yeah. running through the uh, it's Green Onions, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Green Onions. Yeah. They're running through. The, yeah. There it is. So that that is a little bit <laughs> a little Lindsey Buckingham today just triggered like uh, that. That's it. and in fact in the uh, the dog barking at the end of bro, 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 yeah. Bro, bro, yeah the vacation movie over there uh, two three seven thirty seven sixty seven gets you in. Triple eight four five eight six nine two six. Obviously, I had a lot of free time on my uh, hands today because I was breaking down. This is what happens when Jack this. has a day off, of yeah. a, a night <laughs> off, I should say. Yeah. Look at this. AL standings, Twins series remaining. Summary of Twins series re- <laughs> remaining. Yeah. You know, all of this kind of you know forty two games remaining. You know, the six against Cleveland, seven against Texas, four against the White Sox, three against Pittsburgh. This is why you are right? going to be one of these guys that don't retire. I think so. I think I mean, you are going to die behind the microphone, unlike me, because <laughs> you you have too much. You, know, you have one night off. You're going to be pouring me. And you won't a... have another night off for a while, and then oh. this is what you do. I literally was, I was I almost took the night <laughs> off, and then I sat up on the couch. And I'm like, let me break down all these yeah, games here see. and see what goes on. This, this is where you and I are very different. Yeah, I know. Dalvin Cook signed a one-year deal with real quick did. on the thing. So the uh, the running backs that are going on. So Zeke is a Pat Cook. Yeah, twice a year we get to see those two. Going to be a Jet. How about that? And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all. I you know and and. Uh, our, our colleague uh, down the hall, Abby, uh, had mentioned, she goes, is that normal? Is that normal uh, to sign a one-year deal for the superstars like that? And I well, said, it's going to be. I said, well. <laughs> it is now. It, it kind of, it it's actually a good question because mm-hmm. usually you want to, if you, if you want to ink up a, 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 you know, it's not like Cook's 45 years old, for goodness sake. But you're right. This is This is the Jets. What does it tell you? About the Jets, you guys, at least for the upcoming season. Well, yeah, I mean they're. I think I for the next two seasons, they're going trying to hit yeah, a home I, say, run. I think they're all they they're all they're in up, on yeah. this, and I'm sure the um, the quarterback they acquired had a lot to do with this. Yeah. Yep. Aaron's in there going. I know they're they're getting a back back that uh, that is coming off an ACL. So right. They, they want to have a little bit of that uh, that depth or that push there with with DC and. <laughs> and he has a chance to earn up to nine million dollars, which what yeah. that's what he was looking for. Like Eight point six or something. So I mean, to to his credit, that's what he was looking for, and he wasn't going to take a cut with the Vikings to have that. So. And quietly, the Vikings—I don't know if that really got swept like, kind of underneath the radar, but Kareem Hunt made a stop. Yeah, and I hope he flew out. I think he help. can he can be pretty toxic in, in that locker room. And, yeah. I, I just think they got to give Ty Chandler a chance to be the number two guy. I think he's earned the, the past couple of preseasons. Well, it got me to think once again, Derek and Brad, because when I have time, I just start thinking too much. And then you look at your team, and we always use the term uh, window of opportunity with teams, whether it be the Vikings or the, or the Twins, because of contracts and age and all of that kind of stuff. And I could even look at, you know, even even the AA, you know, the back in the day in the the the, the Red Hawks, you'd have guys that remember they were like two years. Remember? During two or three years, then mm-hmm. to be a fresh batch of that. So I always think about windows of opportunities. Do you like where your teams are in Minnesota? Let's just specifically go to football and baseball. 
Do you like where your team is in relationship to its window of opportunity? Or do you feel, uh, are you in that boat of, Kind of in the middle for both. Yeah, right? I think. I, I think, think for all four, I'm like, or the what? Just prove me something <laughs> right. different in the postseason the once. That's what I'm wild, at. Yeah. yeah. You know the the Vikings. I think this is probably this is a transition year. I think it's going to look completely different in 2024, and that might mean mm-hmm. a new quarterback. The Twins. I think there still is a. They still have some of their core guys. Um, We've certainly seen some of the young. There's, you know, you see what might be coming. You can I, almost project a little yeah. bit of what might be there. But you're right. I think it's right? healthy right. for sure. I, I'm optimistic. There's there's some upside with the Twins still, and just with the division they play in, and just some of the guys that they have now. You know, what's the pitching staff going to look like after next year? Um, that might be. Uh, might, well, Gray and Maeda are gone, right? So I don't know. I boy, the way Maeda's pitched. But I think they're free agents, aren't they? They, they both are. But um, do you do you offer them? You know, do you give Maeda a one year deal and put him in the back of the rotation if he wants to stay? If he here. wants to stay, yeah. But I, you know, the, the window of opportunity. I don't think Gray wants to stay. <laughs> no, I think, that's, I, think I think he and Rocco are not on the same page. So Bailey Ober, by the way, going tonight. We'll talk with Dick Brammer coming up. Brought to you by Jefferson Lines. And then speaking of Kenton, not your Borup, but Maeda, he is throwing uh, tomorrow on, on uh, seven forty. The fans. So we're kind of in a gray area then, you think, with the four majors as far as window, the W-O-O, the woo. Is that I call think it the, the woo? You know, the wild, I think, you know, until they get out of the salary cap purgatory, I think they kind of are what they are. But, you know, if they can if they can get in the playoffs, the NHL's a unique animal that way. Just you can get hot for, get hot for a month. You never know. The Timberwolves, I still think. They just threw a lot of money at, at the franchise. and. Yep. and uh, I still think you could add. You could sub. I think you could add by subtracting Cat. I I just don't know if he's the right fit. One hundred percent. But you better get a good. You better get. You better get a nice yeah. haul. Yeah. Somebody. I mean. I mean. Some would say teams have never even had a window. Some when you when you look at some teams going, the windows really never been open for you. So I look at the Jets, you know, and, 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 and teams that have been done. I look at what the Orioles are doing, you know, and they've, they've, they've swam in, in this window of uh, you know, the pool of, of, if not mediocrity, in a division that is almost like we look at North Dakota before a three-class system going, you don't have a chance. You're, you play in the AL East. You don't have a chance. You're right. not going to be – now – Baltimore can't say anymore. They got another win yesterday. This is a so their window is is looking Boy, pretty good. If you good. had told me at Memorial Day that the Rays were not going to win that division, right? I would have said you were crazy. What, what did Isn't the Rays? To your point, Derek, didn't we were talking to Dick about this? What was didn't they start out with an unbelievable like home mark of? Yeah, it was. I mean, they were. We were talking about record, it was like, like nineteen eighty seven Brewers start. Yes. You know that type of thing and. And they have, uh, well, they got a whole bunch of issues now because their star sh- shortstop is in, he's in, uh, he's in trouble. Yeah. I mean, that is, I don't even know where you go with oh, that. Oh, Wander? Oh, boy. Yeah. And for people who know, they, he's he made busted a... dating a 14-year-old. Yeah. Uh, that's not good. And I don't know what you do with that because losing him is huge. Amongst their other injuries that go along with that, that is right. that's a tailspin that you can't come out of. That's that's tough. The um, yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. We've had a lot of weird stuff off the field the past couple of days. Yeah. So just I can't get over it. It's absolutely. Uh, where's my other one? 
we'll leave this for Dick, I guess, too. But uh, since I wrote it down, guys, the uh, the Twins have this re- these remaining: six against Cleveland, seven against Texas, four against the White Sox, three against Pittsburgh, three against the Mets, three against Tampa, three against Cincy, three against Oakland, three against Colorado, three against the Angels, two Detroit, two Milwaukee. Well, I would say this two against Detroit are kind of interesting because it could really make or break. Because if Detroit wins these two and they're sitting they're six, six games back, back yeah, yeah it kind of be scoreboard watching for them, not the Guardians, in my opinion. Because maybe, maybe I should have maybe I should have put Cleveland and Detroit schedule on here. Well, if you take of, care of Cleveland, which you have a lot of games with them ahead, then then you're then you're got rid of them. So that, these two games at home, I think you want to take care of business because come the last week of. Uh, you know, the last week of August, first week of September, you can put a nail in the coffin of Cleveland, but you got to do it. You know, and, and I don't know if they can because they, you just don't know what you're going to get half the time with this club. And I know that some fans are out there going again. We'll we'll, we'll discuss. Some fans are out there going, guys, forget it. They win it. Who cares? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Well, you gotta get I don't know the- if you can say it. I think this year there's been enough quirkiness where if you do get in, you gonna tell me that the twins can't put something together? And well, it's all because of you know Sonny Gray and Maeda and right and, and the fact that Ober if he pitches a little bit better tonight and if let's face it a lot of it's going to be on Joe Ryan if he's healthy he gets that groin thing figured out and becomes Joe Ryan again. I that, think the, that's what you have. You got think, four guys who can help you out and so. the back end with Duran and Thielbar's back in the mix. I mean, right. I, I think there might be enough there that uh, and who well, knows? It's, it's the eighties. You're hoping that they're 87 twins. I mean, that's what that's you're hoping. What you're hoping. Ca- catch lightning in a bottle, and you go with, you know, then, of course, Kelly just went with three starters in the postseason because the postseason was a lot different back then, too. But, you know, when when you only had to go, you didn't have to get into Joe Necro. <laughs> I mean, that that as a starter, I mean, when you're going straight, it was the weekend of that. But Blylevin was still very serviceable at the time, and Viola was Viola. So uh, they, they have a chance that way. But you got to get it done too, and can they score? And Korea, you know, stay healthy and stay hot, and and hopefully Byron Buxton doesn't come back. So did I say that out loud again? Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, Rice Lewis, Rice Lewis is back. They uh, that's big. Willie Castro is on the um, on the injured list, and uh, Rice Lewis has been reinstated. So here's we'll what see I, where he. Uh, I feel if it's going to be third base. I'm guessing it'll be third base. Here's what I've heard in the last four minutes. Don't need get rid of towns, and we may not need Byron Bucks. <laughs> like two of the names that were like well, I would staples say with, of Minnesota. To Brad's sport. point about towns, it's just like it, you know, you talk about the like a Damian Lillard situation, and you know, the NBA is a weird spot right now. I've never heard anything as frontal as James Harden on an executive Holy before. Cow, how about that? And, and so you have that. You have a agent who's totally taken away the power of the Trailblazers to trade because they only want to go to the Heat. So if I'm the Sixers, I'm going, well, it's kind of hard to trade for you because James Harden, there's a reason you've played for as many teams as Latroy Hawkins pitched for, right? And, and then you have a, a situation here with Cat, who's you know saying that their impressive uh, win in that one game was as, as much as the Nuggets winning the finals and all yeah. these weird things. And that, and so you can't really trade for him because Lillard only wants to go to Miami. I mean, there's yeah. just a lot of weirdness going on. And I, I just think with Gobert there that – they should make it Anthony Edwards' team and get what you can for Cat. Boy, and 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 I know the NBA is off. It's you know we have time to talk about the NBA, but remember that. Tell me teams that have had two bigs 
you know, two fives that even though Cavs kind of a point forward or whatever guy goes in, but he's seven feet tall. So let's call him a big uh, for that. Two bigs that that didn't work well together. Like that didn't, you know. Well, yeah, because you think about the '80s with the Rockets and the '90s with the Spurs. I mean, that was pretty good. I mean, they had some. some but guys. I think the game has changed so much you're now right. that that wouldn't work maybe today as well. Uh, you're right. Uh, what am I missing on the Michael Orr story? It's certainly gaining a lot of traction um, the last couple of days. I think it's pretty sad. I think it all the way around. It's pretty tragic. The Tui family is, was risen pretty high up. You know, that movie, you're thinking, oh, they, they took care. I mean, it's like I tell Madison Quinn down the hall, Dr. Quinn Medicine Man, I say, man, it's like no one's going to go see a Tim McGraw concert anymore just because he played the the actor. In the, so where we? So he was deprived of those dollars is what we're learning? Well, or is that yeah, like he's or? trying to get some of that money back. Um, and the fact that he wasn't quote unquote adopted by the family just kind of gives you that perception of that they had like something was a little uh, nefarious. They had some ulterior that, motives or something. So it, along on the, on the front, it looked very altruistic and warm and loving, and and bring him in, and then underneath the fine writing of all of that stuff, we we were learning some other things here. That but maybe, but I would I will say this that, though. I, I think in like many separations, divorces, the way this is turning out, I think there's a lot of blame to go around because I think, you know, kind of sounds like a lot of things with, uh, you know, Michael Orr. And I think they did actually want to take him in. Maybe they weren't going to treat him the same as if they adopt him as their net biological kids. As someone who's kind of coming from a situation where <laughs> there's a lot of things where, you're a step parent, but you're not really married. You know these right, type right, of things. Right, right, right. I guess I look at it a little bit differently because right. these things are complicated. And when money gets involved, it's very complicated. And what has Michael Orr done with his money that he's made from the Ravens? And then he comes back and finds this out. And did he really know? Were they protecting him from himself right. a little bit? I yeah. mean, there's this is one where if it, if it is an onion, there's you, a lot of layers to it. I, I really believe back, that as right. someone who's been through a, things like this the past right. couple of years of my personal life, and I won't get I – mean, you just – But the message you're saying is, hey, don't just on the front here And I think there's a way too much that. of that, and I think, I think in fairness to the Tui family, did they handle all this perfectly? No. I think it's a classic case of what it can come down to in monies and, and when you talk about trusts and – you know, and all these different things and conserv- uh, what conservatism. Yeah, right, and all these things and wills. And I, I think communication has to be key here. And I think this is one of these things where it wasn't. And then it puts a lot of egg on their face because they didn't do it sure. and, and really communicate with him about what was going on here. So be here. careful on the quick judgment well, I think on for this all thing. Because That's I, a good I, point. I don't – I mean, one thing you can't take away is that – you know, he took the pictures with his family he, when he went to Ole Miss and all right. that. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, he considered them his family. If not, he wouldn't have been that part of it. They did take him in. Did he have maybe other families where he slept, you know, stayed on their couch once? Well, no doubt about it. But yep. I, I think it's pretty obvious that this was his family for a while. I don't think I want to take away that from the twoies. That was all just about financial gain when they were doing pretty well as a Taco Bell franchisee right. yeah, throughout Tennessee. Right. So, right. so I think there's a lot of layers to this where it's probably not handled, and then you get lawyers involved, and you know it gets kind of icky after that. And it's, it's sad that it gets to this point, but 
Money has ruined more than one family yeah. in this country. No. That's well, for I'm, sure. no, it's a good point, Derek. And I'm glad you brought that up because, like I said, I'm like, what am I missing on this? What is this is uh, is this a black and white issue of just? No, I think it's a lot, of, a lot gray. of gray. That's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back. Dick Bremer coming up around the corner. A little Tuesday, uh, nice little Tuesday roundtable there. Also on our, our page two of our Bison Bites this week as we take a look at each uh, you know colleges in our, in their region. Uh, uh, Todd Roll, I believe we're going to hear from today. See what the OC has to say about uh, this year's club. All that and more coming up next. Eric Hansen, Brad Anderson, Jack Michaels show on 740 The Fan. The common man. If you want prime rib material, well, then pay me for prime rib material. And the executive actually looked at me and said, you mean you're not giving us your best work? I said, well, no. Why would I? I'm saving that for when you pay me. Weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. on 740 The Fan. Jefferson Lines brings your conversation, twist conversation with Dick Bremer, a uh, longtime legendary uh, television uh, face and voice. I like to say face of the Minnesota Twins, voice of the Minnesota Twins. And Dick, I tell you, that last road trip for the um, for the Twins got one that started out good and then boom, didn't get so well in Detroit. And then start out kind of nice early against Philly and then boom, that didn't go well. But then finished with a couple of wins. So, uh, you know, you come back uh, after the road trip, probably with an okay feeling, I guess, Dick, after that road trip. Yeah, they left uh, town with a four and a half game lead in the division, and they didn't play particularly well. They didn't play, play terribly in Detroit. And they ended up coming home with a four and a half game lead. And if you wanted to pick one week to symbolize the twin season so far, last week might have been the, the week. You. You left town, you had a four-game winning streak, you extended it to five, then you lost four in a row, and then you finished with back-to-back games that so far might be the highlight of the Twins' season. You know, I think you've got to go back to the very first two games of the year where the Twins won two to nothing against Kansas City to find back-to-back games like that where the pitching was so good and the, the hitting was uh, at least good enough to win a couple of ball games against a red-hot Phillies team. Yeah, you look at this team too. It's the fun part about it. You don't know what you're always going to get, right? <laughs> you keep guessing every yeah. night, anyway. Well, that's the way it's played out all year long, right? I mean, we've we've been probably eight or nine times thinking, all right, this a really good series, a little short winning streak, uh, everything's coming together for this team, and then they go to Kansas City and get swept. They go to Detroit and lose three out of four. So at some point, you know, this team is going to have to figure out a way to play good baseball not just a week, week and a half at a time, because obviously if you get to the postseason, you need to play pretty good baseball for a month, and we just haven't seen that yet from this team. Doesn't mean they can't do it, but we haven't seen it. It's still got about a quarter of the season to go, but I look at Sunday's win with just the kind of the patchwork lineup they put uh, they put in, what you got from Sonny Gray, the pick-me-up by the bullpen, especially Thielbar and Pagan. Honestly, that was one of the best all-around wins of the season for that team. Well, it sure was because Correa was uh, on the bench and he's been swinging the bat pretty well. And, you know, you, you get, you know, this is a sign of a good team, believe it or not, but you get production key at bats from unknown sources. And when Jordan Luplo has been with the team for what, a week and a half, when he hit the home run in the first inning on Sunday, it was like, all right, this is, this is a, uh, a good omen maybe for the rest of the game. Twins didn't do much offensively after that. But they did enough, and uh, again, I, I mean, the Phillies uh, were when we pulled into town. The Phillies were thirty-nine and twenty in their last fifty-nine games. They had done what I said the Twins need to do: uh, play well for a month. Except they've been playing well for two months, 
And then the Twins just absolutely shut down that uh, frightful lineup in back-to-back games. That was really uh, an impressive performance over the weekend. Dick, we were uh, projecting because as fans, I guess we could project. I guess all that Rocco has to worry about is today how Bailey overperforms and trying to beat Detroit. But you've got two against uh, Detroit. And then over the weekend, three against Pittsburgh. You're on the road for two at Milwaukee, four against the Rangers, three against Cleveland, three at Texas, then at Cleveland for three. You got the Mets, you got Tampa at home, then you're at the White Sox for four, you're at Cincy, at three against the Angels, three against Oakland, then you finish in Colorado. When I start looking at the rest of the season uh, in relation to how do you separate and put away uh, Cleveland and, and Derek, as you brought up earlier, you know, Detroit picks a couple here. All of a sudden, you know, they're back in the mix. How do you separate here down the stretch, Dick? Well, it, it's it's pretty easy. You beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and that's why the team, the Twins, haven't done that. There's a reason why they haven't, you know, pulled out to an 8 or 9 or 10 game lead in the division. Cleveland's not very good. They, you know, kind of made a statement by the trade deadline when they traded their starting shortstop and their only effective starting pitcher. But the Twins haven't pulled away from them because they you know, stubbed their toe against the Royals. They did the same against the Tigers. And uh, I, I no longer, I don't think I ever was, but if, if you ever wanted to refute the notion of strength of schedule and all that, all you have to do is look at this Twins team because they've played the Blue Jays, and the Astros toe-to-toe, they won the season series with the Yankees, even though the Yankees aren't very good this year. But then they've struggled. They've already lost the season series to the Tigers, uh, and the Royals swept them uh, at Kauffman Stadium. So um, they need to figure out a way to do that, uh, to beat the teams they're supposed to beat and then play competitively against the Rangers, whom the Twins haven't seen yet. Uh, they've got another series, as you said, with Tampa Bay and and so we'll see how it plays out. The Twins are, are in an enviable spot. Tonight they're going to get Royce Lewis back. Uh, hopefully within a couple of weeks he'll get Byron Buxton back. And then we'll see whether this team can finally put it all together and play their best baseball in September and then hopefully October. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, tonight and uh, tomorrow afternoon, that's pretty big. If if you get swept and you're only leading the Tigers by six, you give them hope, but you could probably bury them too if you can sweep. It's uh, there's not much room for error here. A split, you're you're sitting where you're at right now, but this is a pretty big two game series. You don't say that very often. Well, no, and it's it's you know, Twins had a good homestand, right? They ended up sweeping the Diamondbacks and left feeling pretty good about themselves. Well, they can feel pretty good about themselves, uh, not you know discounting the two games in Milwaukee, but at the end of this uh, road trip. Uh, and then carry it forward through Milwaukee and then the next road trip that follows, uh, you'd like to think that those games coming up against Cleveland won't matter so much. But, you know, that's that's completely within the Twins' control. If they play good baseball like they did over the weekend in Philadelphia, uh, they can finally do what we've expected them to do uh, really since the All-Star break, and that is pull uh, pull away from everybody else in the division. I realize that uh, I must really be in a projecting mode because I'm thinking, okay, if they do get that division, let's all hope that the Twins can get the division and you get into the postseason. Uh, saying that with relations to the uh, the Dallas Keuchels of the world, uh, Dick, I, I'd imagine maybe not in a postseason rotation. Again, I'm knocking I wood and crossing our fingers, but you know, when we look at, at, at if and when they get to that spot, uh, I fall short of using the word luxury, 
but you know some of these guys might be put into to uh, bullpen roles, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. You know, Keuchel's uh, career has been built around starting pitching. That would be a bit of a transition for him. But uh, I think the Twins would like to go into the postseason should they make it with more than one left-handed uh, relief pitcher. They've got Caleb Thielbar, who's done well since he's come back from the injured list. Giovanni Moran really struggled throwing strikes before he got optioned down to uh, St. Paul. Uh, Brent Hedrick is another lefty, but I don't know that that he is someone they would trust uh, in the middle or late innings of a playoff game. So that might be an option. But really what Keuchel needs to do, assuming he does get another start, is pitch uh, a lot like the Dallas Keuchel we saw against the Diamondbacks and not the one we saw against the Phillies. Yeah, Joey Gallo is a curious case, isn't he? I mean, he'll go away and then he comes back and has the game he had the other day. He could really help you out in those key situations if he could do it consistently, but that's just kind of who he is right now. Just when we've kind of buried him in that roster, here he pops up and does something like that. You look at the first 121, 22 games, whatever it is, there are probably three, maybe four games that the Twins have won this year because of Joey Gallo, because of a home run, because of the game he had against the the Phillies uh, the other day. Uh, I don't know, frankly, what they're going to do with him. You you know, we mentioned that they've got Royce Lewis activated today, but that's at the expense of Willie Castro. He's got a bit of an oblique strain. But if the Twins are healthy, you're, you're going to make room for Lewis, Buxton, Kirilov. And so while in September you can add two more players, you know, you got to go back to 26 when you get into the playoffs. And the hope is that you won't have any injury situations and you can – make the tough decision as to who the best 26 players are moving forward. You sparked my mind there with that question. Dick, if you go back, we always love to, to do a little Twins history with you. But uh, And I and not think it's Joey Gallo, but I think um, we said you kind of know what you're going to get. You know, Joey's going to strike out. He's also going to knock the ball over people's heads and or over fences, you know, and you kind of knew what you are going to get. Now, to what degree, we can debate that. But, Dick, over the years, how many how many players – to the good side now that you knew what you were going to get with that player. I mean, you absolutely knew what you were going to get and, and what players come to mind. In uh, the postseason? And just in, in a, a regular season on the squad, um, you know, whether it be pitchers or position players, you knew that, you know, Rod Carew was going to be this. You knew that Kirby Puckett was going to be this. How many guys like you knew what you were going to get pretty much on a day-in, day-out basis? Well, when you did it as long as Kirby did it, you know, you lead the league in hits, uh, win a batting ch- championship, uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, get the doubles and the home runs and all that. When you do it as long as Kirby did it, well, then he becomes, you know, a reliable, productive, predictable uh, offensive player for you. Um, and that's one of the dilemmas with, you know, Carlos Correa. Now he's coming around too. Uh, so it looks like he's going to be more the, Correa uh, player that the Astros had for all those years, including hopefully the postseason. But you really don't know, and so much of it during the regular season and in the postseason depends on the health of the player. Uh, so you know, one thing to watch is now Castro is going to be shut down for at least a week and a half. There might be others that uh, either get some time off. Correa, as you said, got Sunday off, um, and had uh, the team had yesterday off. 
I think we'll look for the Twins if they continue to have a somewhat comfortable lead in the division, and maybe that lead grows to kind of pick and choose uh, to give time off for the players who've been the kind of bedrock players for this uh, Twins team in the hopes that they'll be as healthy as they can be should they get into the postseason. And that was my, and you nailed it, that was my backwards way of asking, like, you knew what you are going to get with, a, a, you know, player A, B, C, and D, because I think this year we've kind of been sitting, and I'm quite sure, but there are probably reasons for it, injury and all that, but that was, yeah, Derek, that was my backwards way of asking about consistency and what are we going to get from, you know, Ken has been a nice little story, Dick, coming oh, yeah. back, you know, that that's, you kind of, now you're, you're thinking, hmm, I think we kind of know what we're going to get from Kenta. Now I'm knocking on wood as I say that, Dick, but yeah. Yeah, and we don't know what role yet, right? Because right. Kent is the one guy who, uh, you know, was a starter, but then uh, come the postseason, the Dodgers had him pitch out of the bullpen. Uh, so at least he has that, you know, on his resume that come October, uh, he's, you know, been effective pitching uh, out of the bullpen. The best way to, and it might date myself and uh, your listeners who, we're around in 1991 uh, regarding, you know, moving forward and through the multiple, multiple steps. Now it takes to even get to the world series. Um, the twins might not have made it to the world series in 1991 without David West left-handed pitcher. Mm. The twins had, he dominated the blue Jays and it might very well have been that if he hadn't pitched as well as he pitched uh, in the playoffs against Toronto, the Twins might not have advanced to the World Series. So then the next week the World Series starts, and David West can't get anybody out. He faced six guys in the World Series and didn't retire one. So it, it, it varies from series to series, and unfortunately it's you know there are more layers uh, to pass through to get to the World Series than there was in 1991. So it's, it's a fascinating thing. Uh, you mentioned you know, players you can count on and all that, it's a fascinating thing to think that you hit the reset button every time you advance through the playoffs. We unfortunately haven't been able to do that for the last 20 years, but you do hit the reset button and somebody can look just terrible in one round of the playoffs and then the next round starts and it's like the start of a new season all over again. We've talked about this uh, a few times, Dick, but the, the, the Donovan Solanos and Willie Castros and Another one I look at, Michael A. Taylor caught everything in sight uh, in Philadelphia this weekend, and they've had to uh, they've had to rely on him more than I think maybe the Twins expected. In even what he's done at the plate, maybe not a high average, but he's double digits in home runs, and he is uh, honestly maybe surpassed what Twins fans were were hoping for from him. Yeah, and the signing of him and the acquisition of Michael A. Taylor really uh, uh, is one of the big reasons why this team is in first place. The plan was in spring training. Uh, to let Byron Justice uh, simply DH in the hopes of keeping him on the field. Well, you know, it's not Byron's fault, but he spent a lot of time on the injured list again, right? I mean, he got hit in the ribs with a pitch and had to take some time off. You know, and now the uh, hamstring issue that he's had. So you really don't know uh, how a season's going to play out. And you bring up an interesting point now with these guys coming back, starting with Lewis tonight. You know, what do you do now to the clubhouse? If you you know have Lewis and Kirilov available to you, those guys weren't even on the roster at the start of the year. But if you want to have your best team in the playoffs, and of course the Twins do, well then that will come at the expense of somebody else. 
And I can't imagine there's a world where Donovan Solano wouldn't be on the postseason team, but there's a limit in terms of how many guys you can have. And if you add somebody to the mix that wasn't there for most of the season or a good chunk of the season, what do you do to the clubhouse? Because I think you guys all know a baseball clubhouse is probably tighter uh, than in any other sport because these guys, you know, eat, sleep. I mean, they, they do everything together uh, essentially, you know, for six months out of the year. And now you come to the second part of the season, the fun part, the postseason. You got to be careful that you don't disrupt the clubhouse mix. And and before we let Dick go today, and, and Dick, and, and maybe you know you're around it obviously much more than than we are. But uh, that what you just described is that a Rocco decision? Is that a Rocco and his staff decision? Is it strictly a Derek decision? Is it a Thad Derek decision? Is it a Thad Derek Rocco decision? What what's the conversation, Dick? When we get to that point, well. Uh, There'll be a lot of input from the manager and the coaches and all that. Ultimately, it'll fall uh, on Derek Falvey and Thad Levine because those are the guys in charge of putting the roster together. That's true in January, but it's also true in September and October. So those decisions are going to be made, and there'll be all sorts of input. And you got to make sure you cover yourself because, well, let's say that Kirilov is on the postseason roster and they want him to play first base, and then he gets hit by a pitch and he can't play anymore, well, you have to have somebody uh, on the roster who can, you know, take over in the middle of a game to play first base. Okay, well, maybe that's maybe that's Solano. Maybe that's Gallo. You know, I mean, it, it's really a tough time of the year for the front office. You want to get your team into the postseason, but then invariably you've got some really uh, tough uh, decisions to make. I, we just came from Philadelphia, and they had alumni weekend and Steve Carlton, the Hall of Fame pitcher who finished his career with the Twins uh, in 88, was with them in 87. Somebody had to make the decision that Steve Carlton, a certain Hall of Famer, was not going to be on the postseason roster for the Twins in 1987. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about those decisions. Boy, some of the names you brought up, Brad brings up a lot of good ones there. You know, Derek and Thad, they, you know, we talked so much about the Pablo Lopez trade and, you know, that type of thing. And there's, you know, obviously he's pitched very well, but we know what's going on down with you know, the Miami Marlins and all that. But some of those names you brought up, I mean, it can be 50-50 sometimes, but I think Derek and Thad have to feel pretty good about some of the more unheralded moves that they've made because you bring up a good point. Uh, without some of those guys, the AL Central might look ug- uglier than it already is. <laughs> well, Willie Castro, frankly, has been one of the most valuable guys on the Twins team because of the flexibility he's given the team defensively, the aggressive base running that he's injected into this team, a team that sorely needed uh, some of that. Castro's provided it, so they'll miss him over the next at least 10 days. Uh, but it's, you know, uh, you you hope that you're, the bulk of your team, the key players on your team uh, are healthy uh, come the postseason, and sometimes it's not the best team that uh, excels and uh, works its way through the uh, postseason it's the healthiest team, and maybe the Twins are starting to return to health. They hope to get Kirilov back as well. But again, you're limited right now to 26 guys in September 28, uh, and some tough decisions might have to be made. Bailey over tonight, the uh, Twins and the Tigers, first pitch around 6.40 Central Time tonight, 6 o'clock the uh, pre. He is Dick Bremer. I just, uh, <laughs> I'm curious, because the day in the life of Dick Bremer, my, uh, my niece's little boy, he's maybe, what, five, six? got a lemonade stand going on today, Dick, and 
I was curious what the price of a lemonade stand is today. So he's dropping lemonade for a buck a cup. And and he's got about $7 in cash, a little entrepreneur today. Did Dick Bremer ever have a lemonade stand growing? Did you ever sell product as a youth to garner some cash? No, I think my main source of income back when I was a kid was returning pop bottles to the yes. grocery store oh, exactly for two right. cents a piece. You know, <laughs> so at a dollar a cup of lemonade, that would have been fifty pop bottles for me, and uh, that would have uh, not been a, a daily occurrence or anything like that. But that was the deal. <laughs> That's great. Uh, my mother loved Coca Cola. She would drink. Uh, uh, maybe a six-pack uh, every two or three days, and then I'd take the bottles back and get two cents a piece. That's great. I mean, those days, Dick, you used to just you used to drink the soda just to bring the thing, the bottle, the the bottle or the cap back, right? You just start chugging. Oh yeah, chugging. No, absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff, Dick. Have a great call. A uh, couple against Detroit, then Pittsburgh in town over the weekend. Going to be uh, hopefully a good week for the Minnesota Twins at Target Field. Thanks as always, Dick. You got it, guys. The great Dick Bremer uh, brought to you by Jefferson Lines. Jefferson Lines brings you our conversation, Twins Talk, each Tuesday right here. You guys didn't? Derek, do you ever have uh, you set up shop in uh, Barnesville? Uh, well, I tried to at the farmstead one time. You know, we lived out uh, in the before we moved in the when rural? I was in eighth grade. But, yeah, people are passing on County 10, you know, 60 a, miles an hour. They, a, that's a, they didn't really hit the brakes for me, so, yeah. <laughs> Be a tough I lemonade stand out By there. By the time I was in ninth grade when we moved into Barnesville, it, was like, it, yeah. it didn't really. Not a lucrative not, venture? No, no. No, we made brats at the local grocery store. That was about yeah. the extent of that. So. That'd be a tough I, my, my income at that point was hoeing beets, something uh-huh. you don't have to do anymore with Roundup Ready sugar beets. But, uh, yeah, that was those are the days. Yeah, we returned. Uh, Dick said, uh, Dick said uh, caps or bottles? Because we were. Bottles. We, bottles, right? The whole thing. Yeah. And we used to do that. Lisbon, that was a big, that was probably huge in Lisbon. What's that? Doing the the returning bottles uh, bottles and cans. That might have been a little before Brad and I's time. I don't uh, don't Uh recall that. I used to crush up aluminum cans. Yeah, aluminum go, was huge. Aluminum yeah. cans. We'd bring them in, and oh, I got five dollars after you know, right. saving up garbage bags full of cans. I think so. it was the first, yeah, you know, the first time we did that. We had you know bags and bags full. We got, I think we came up here to do it. Yeah, and I think we got like twelve dollars right. or something. But don't spend all. This was not place. really worth it. But yeah. you're right about the I drank location. Drink a lot of Mountain Dew for that. <laughs> you're right about the location. If, if little Wyatt today has got that baby going right outside the, the ballpark, whatever, where there's traffic, yep. then you, he's, he's, making, he's got a $20 Oh, it's, that's what they tell you. Location, 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 location. with any, any store, right? If you're you off gotta, a county road where the yeah, minimum gotta, speed is like 55, 60, that, that's a tough one. You have to lemonade. have pretty good grub to be out of the way <laughs> to <laughs> people to find you. Tied to roll, OC at NDSU, uh, our little uh, pay, uh, day two, I guess, of what we call our buys and bites coming up with Brad and, and, and Tied to roll. That's coming up next, a Tuesday edition on the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan. Tom Kelly's birthday, huh? Yeah, you know. Shares it with Napoleon Bonaparte. I think we do need to. Julia Child. You need to bring this story to the fold here that you just told <laughs> you in the just commercial. Brought back now. a nightmare yeah, I mean, for me. I mean, you did, but you you just let like a Forrest Gump just you know casually run into JFK type of thing. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you said he needs to go pay. Anyway, the, yeah, no, you said TK's brother, but oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, we were golf. You know, every time we were on a road trip and and Will's you know more loved to golf, so we would go in a and I teed off and say we were at a course in St. Paul and. 
I thought I really got into one, but I sliced it, and, and there was a group of maybe two or three walking the other way, and, and I'm yelling four as loud as I can because it is a line drive slice. And, or, and those guys, they're looking around, but they're not paying attention. And as Maury and I proceed down the fairway of our hole, I looked to my left, and it was Tom Kelly. And I almost took Tom Kelly's, like, head off on a yeah. slice in St. Paul. And I was going to go over and retrieve the ball. And I'm like, oh, my, that's Tom Kelly. Maury, that's TK. I bet she'd love to say. And Maury's like, no, yeah, let's keep going, Jack. Because I almost. But, see, that's the story. That, so, so you are riding in a cart yeah. with the great Maury Wills. Right. Almost hitting Tom a two-time World Series <laughs> champion manager. <laughs> And, and then got a World they're Series crossing. Yeah, right. right. He's a World right, Series right, champion right, himself. Right. Yeah. And you're crossing paths, paths. and they don't talk. Right. And I'm sure knowing TK, he would have probably liked would to have talk loved to, to chat with Maury Wills. Yes. And, and this chance meeting, you're just two ships a night. Disrupted by a right. terrible golf right. shot. Right, exactly. So this, that is a story within itself, <laughs> Jack is, Michaels. I didn't even think about it that way. <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm absorbing just, this whole thing. I didn't even think about it. I, yeah. I, like it was yesterday, I can remember, because I was veering off, and there's a little set of trees. And I said, I'm going to go get Maury's. Uh, no, Jack, 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 I got a new ball for you, Jack. Don't worry about it. I think he would have. Because Maury was probably embarrassed that I almost hit TK. And then I'm sure... You know, but you're right. Tom probably would have looked past that and thought, "Oh, hey." My my Tom Kelly story is my first time I'm working at the Good Neighbor and I'm doing the sports huddle for the first time, board yep. hopping, and I just want to make sure that TK was going to be there at 9:30 for the Tom Kelly show, the, maybe the greatest half hour of radio ever in the history of the Upper Midwest. Um, <laughs> That's right. And I just want to make sure that there, Skip goes. Last 13 years, right here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Tomorrow there you we'll go. discuss Derek's conversation <laughs> with George Steinbrenner. Well, well, yeah, that, that too. Phone, that <laughs> so then he he was friends with Dark Star legitimately. They go to the dog track yeah. together, horse racing together. And so I was born up in the Dark Star show from 9 to noon every day. Dark at the All top of the All of a sudden, the, the guest line comes in. Can I talk to George? It was TK. I mean, you call every day so, yeah. to talk to <laughs> Dark, Dark in the middle. And yeah, so that were that was my chance meeting. Uh, the uh, he also said something when he was doing some advanced scouting for the twins in the uh, Ron well, Garden area that I can't say on the air. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then we'll start doing brushes. It's all funny, but brushes was, with injury to greatness. A yeah. story. That's what. We'll do. <laughs> Tyler Roll. Uh, yes. We have a, a couple. Very of healthy, here, for, as far as we know. A very healthy yeah. Tyler Roll uh, on our Bison Bites page two of that. Uh, Brad had a chance to sit down and chat with uh, with Tyler. And uh, your uh, your thoughts and conversation. I'm curious what it was around. Yeah, today. we start the conversation. You know, with just a, a lot of uh, a lot of injuries, uh, kind of forced a lot of guys maybe into early playing time, and it seems like uh, that could be uh, that could be a benefit going forward. Oh, absolutely. I think with with change is growth, and when you're thrust into an environment, a situation where um, you know there's some adversity through the course of a season and you're thrust into playing time, uh, there's a force of, of learning at a tempo that maybe you don't want to um, or have the desire to, but, you know, you, you do you do it for the betterment of the team. And the guys who, who were forced into those situations um, played at a high level, you know. As a staff, our goal is for each and every individual that's on the field when they line up, they feel like Superman because uh, a hesitant athlete is a non-athlete. And you're ha- if you're having to process at the line of scrimmage or process out on the perimeter, that's not good. Um, not saying we had a lot of that, but there was a lot of trial by error and 
um, some things that, you know, obviously from my standpoint, going to take a lot of ownership of. Um, but there's things that we all learned from, grew through, and the depth that it's now provided us going into this season is, is, is remarkable. Cam, I know Coach talked about this in his uh, press conference about how you want kind of him to say, you know what, it's third and six. I think we can run this and kind of be more of a, not so much a play caller, but maybe, you know, recommending play A or play B for a certain situation. Well, I think through, you know, staying true to our philosophy on offense, um, there's different mechanics on how you can be, you know, when certain play calls have, you know, option A, option B, you know, or even three different options in one singular play call and how, you know, maybe certain identifiers to get to the right play call. And he is definitely smart enough to get, our offense in the right situation. So excited for his growth through um, through the things that we've we've afforded him to learn, and excited to see him even take more control this season. Receiving core wise, there's a lot of numbers there. You you maybe need a guy or two, or there's the opportunities for guys to step up and uh, get some opportunities. Oh, it's a deep room. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, you know, you look at you look at the guys who've who've played a lot of meaningful repetitions, have, a, have had a lot of opportunities. And then you look at some youthfulness. Um, you know, I, I mean, you could probably count eight, nine guys deep that you'd be really excited to see on the field. So uh, even more than that, I mean, it's a really deep room and um, excited for, for the growth, the togetherness, togetherness, the connection that that group has. Um, Coach Crutchley's done an unbelievable job, you know, coming in this spring and, and really developing developing that room. And, um, you know, we're just continuing to, to try to find ways to put those guys in a position to have success on the field. Cole Payton's an interesting study. You've used him really as a running quarterback, you know, most of the time. Is it a situation where could you potentially have him and Cam on the field at the same time? Has that been, has that been thrown out there or is that – Maybe you, you, you want him to kind of learn under camp. No, I think um, through the course of last season, there was probably 25 to 30 reps when they were both on the field at the same time. Can we continue to expand upon that with different schemes and concepts? Absolutely. Uh, they're both really good athletes. So uh, how we can continue to utilize those guys um, to their strengths, you know. Um, but they're both very, very competitive players, athletic have the ability to run the ball, but both are very, very capable and, uh, you know, really, really good throwers as well. Uh, you look at the running back, uh, Tameric Williams. I, I think he comes in and, you know, in the past, you you really haven't had guys or want to have guys maybe be 15, 20 carry a game guys unless, you know, they're in rhythm and such. But TK Marshall, Penu, um, are there, is, is there anybody else that might get some carries early in the year? Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, you got four good, um, really good backs, you know, with with Tameric, TK, Barica, and Owen Johnson. You know, Owen, um, hit last fall was probably not up to his expectations or his standard. Um, this spring was, was solid. But this fall camp, he's done a really good job. All four are a little bit unique and different in their own way. Probably more of a powerful room than a speed room, 
but they are all pretty adequate with with their speed. So um, it's again, I, I think from from the level of trust and connection that they have as a unit, Coach Bashaner's done a really nice job continuing to 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 build that continuity and how multiple we have the ability to be with with that position group. Uh, whether it's having just one on the field or three on the field or. You never know. I mean, you can have all four on the field. I mean, as multiple as you can be. I mean, simple in our scheme and staying true to who we are, but multiple to, to the defense, which will only, you know, water down a defensive call that they can have to certain personnel groupings.